Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 96, Diversity and Disabled Characters, an interview with Catherine R. Beal, coming to you on Thursday, September 6th, 2018. Let me just start with a quick little update on me in case this is of interest to you. You know, we've been talking a lot about uh, burnout, how to avoid it, how to get through it, overcome it, that sort of thing. So I'm very excited to tell you that uh, that I did kind of my, my big victory this week was that I defeated the burnout monster long enough to finish creating that book proposal that I said I was going to send to Hallmark Publishing. So as I've mentioned before, they had their open submission period through Labor Day, uh, September, what was that, 3rd, I think, 2018. And uh, I sent them Love at the Fluff and Fold. So we will see what happens. It would be very exciting to work with them because I do love all things Hallmark. And um, so it'll probably be some time and I'll let you know what I hear back, good or bad. Uh, also just the whole much bigger than that victory, honestly, was the victory of getting back to a place where I am absolutely 100% truly joyful in writing again. Um, I've mentioned it a couple of times as I'm starting to feel a little bit better and a little bit better and the writing makes me feel a little bit happier and I want to write a little bit more. And I have to say, I'm at a point right now where I'm like, okay, You need to back off just a little bit on the excitement level, Kitty, because there are only four months left till the end of the year, and you're talking about how you want to write three books in the next six months, which is possible, but let's just think through (laughs) how we can make this happen or change the goal just enough to not get back into that burnout place again. (laughs) So if this is something that you have been struggling with in any way, let me strongly encourage you that along with me, we will both take it easy, back off just a little bit if we need to. to. It doesn't mean putting on the brake, but it may mean uh, not stomping down on the accelerator. So figure out what your goals are. Ask yourself if that seems achievable. If you're struggling with overwhelm, burnout, that sort of thing, maybe just bring it back just a touch, just so that you can say, okay, if I made this what seems to be smaller goal right now, if I made this goal, I would still be happy. So let's give ourselves some room for success here, shall we? So that's what I'm going to do. And uh, and I would love to have you um, walk along that road with me. What is my actual goal going to be? Right this very second, I don't know, because I'm just still excited from having just turned in the submission to Hallmark. So Uh, I know for sure I am trying to get to book two done in the Strays of Loon Lake series. I'm frustrated with the fact that the notebook with all of my notes for book two and three, all of the plotting, all of the characters, snippets of dialogue, like a ton of work. Um, Yeah, still on the ship or, you know, maybe not on the ship since the stuff was lost and then found and having never left uh, California on a ship. Now I don't know where it is. So... I'm not really sure that working on something that may be frustrating is perhaps, you know, not a good idea when I'm still trying to get through the burnout. So the other thing I've been thinking about is, and I'm mentioning it in case anybody else is like, ooh, okay, good to know. Um, Because, you know, I'm one of those people who don't really think that writers are in competition with each other. If there are enough good books out, 
then there are going to be enough people who want to read them. Um, you know, cause if they're that good, people are going to be like, wait, I want to read that. Everybody's reading that. <laughs> so with that in mind, uh, if you didn't know, and if you write sweet types of, uh, sweet romance or cozy mystery, uh, Hallmark is also going to have another open submission period in February, 2019. So what is that? Just under six months. And um, they have mentioned in Twitter feeds and other places that I've been, you know, tracking them and keeping track of what they're saying, that they are looking for um, Christmas books a lot. They're always looking for Christmas books. So I'm going to try to write one of those. They've mentioned a lot of things that they're interested in, and hopefully I can get one of the editors on the show and talk about it some more in more detail. But uh, if you look up Hallmark Publishing, and I think it's it's something like that on Twitter at Hallmark Pub or at Hallmark Publish, maybe. Uh, and Stacy Donovan tweets a lot. Uh, she's one of the editors. So if you follow those, then you can find out more details. But that's what I'm going to try to do, which I think it's kind of good timing because it'll be, you know, in the Christmas season in general for me as I'm getting ready to write a Christmas book that then needs to be edited and ready to go for February. So why not, right? <laughs> I haven't written a Christmas book for a couple of years, but the last one I wrote, I wrote it in a month and then edited it in a month. So the whole thing was done in two months. So who knows? Maybe that could happen again. That was a shorter book though, 45,000 words. And this is a 65 to 85,000 word um, range that they're looking for. So yeah, once again with the, let's just tamp down the excitement just a little bit. <laughs> Let's go a little bit slower so we are actually making a plan that we can be successful at, right? <laughs> so I am excited. I am feeling a lot more myself, um, and, but I'm also trying to be protective of myself because I found myself slipping backwards a few times where I would just get really angry over something that may or may not be uh, big enough for the amount of anger that I let go at it. Um, or then um, sometimes instead of or following the anger, kind of that feeling of just um, this never, this is never going to work. Nothing's ever going to work. And then I'm like, wait, 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 no, that, that is something else talking. That's not real life. That's not reality. It's just those feelings that I had when I would get overwhelmed and they would be like, okay, all these feelings are um, signs to me that I need to pull things back a little bit maybe do a little bit less, maybe not have such big goals for a little while. And uh, keep in mind that um, me healing from this, me overcoming this is more important than whether or not I can put out, you know, 12 books in a year or something, <laughs> which is pretty much just not the way I write anyway. So little update in that. Um, we have a really fun interview today with Kat Catherine Beal. And let me just say, uh, I'm sorry that this is a really long podcast. We really didn't mean it to be, but um, we we're having a lot of fun and I think we forgot to look at the clock. So the first time that we tried the interview, her internet just would not work and we were getting interrupted in the middle of sentences and then we would start the sentence over again and then get interrupted again. And it was, it was a horrible, horrible attempt at recording an interview. So I think we just got relaxed and happy that it was working the second second time. And you know, writers talking to writers can't shut up about writing. So I hope that you can relax and enjoy it. You know, listen to it over a, a couple of, uh, a couple of trips to the store instead of one or <laughs> a couple of runs instead of one. Uh, but I hope that you enjoy listening to us talk about Ikea 
Resilient Women um, Defeating Evil, The Spice Girls. <laughs> and then we spent a lot of time talking about um, uh, characters who have various kinds of disabilities and how they end up in our books and how that is another way of um, getting diversity into our stories, but in a way that is natural with um, Catherine works with um, people with different kinds of disabilities. And so these are normal people in her normal life. And so part of the point of the interview, a couple of times I was trying to make it clear that this is what I think that we all need to look for when, when it comes to diversity. What is the diversity you see in your normal life? Because it probably looks normal to you, not diverse. And so that can be a way for you to think about how you can um, bring up the interest level of your characters and help your readers to see more of themselves in the people that you write about. I hope that you enjoy the interview. And, uh, and I hope that you just enjoy it's two writers talking for a really long time about writing, but we have a lot of kind of, um, interesting aha moments where we're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? I think I need to do more of this or try that or that sort of thing. So I hope it helps you in that way. I hope it gives you some ideas and that you, um, just have more cool ideas to write about. Don't go too fast and burn yourself out, but enjoy your writing this week and uh, enjoy the interview. Today's guest is Catherine R. Beal. Catherine hails from upstate New York, where her most important role is being mom and wife to an incredibly understanding family who don't mind fetching coffee and living in a dusty house. In addition to being chief home officer and director of child development for the Beal household, she works as a school-based physical therapist. She attended Boston University and received her doctorate in physical therapy from the Sage Colleges. After years of writing countless letters of medical necessity for wheelchairs, finding increasingly creative ways to encourage insurance companies to fund her clients' needs, and writing entertaining annual Christmas letters, she decided to take a shot at writing the kind of novel she likes to read. Catherine is the author of 12 women's fiction, romantic comedy, contemporary romance, and chiclet works, including Live for This and Made for Me. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, thanks for having me. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's so good to see you again. We tried to film this yesterday, but um, my internet wasn't having it, so we'd get about, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds of dialogue, and then we'd have to freeze and stop and start and stop and... I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure how many minutes the podcast would have been after editing. So we're trying again. Thank you for yeah. being patient with me. <laughs> Thank you for coming back. I, I am really glad that uh, our time difference is enough that I didn't have to sober up after, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you would deserve to do the, to do a drunk interview. And it's, it's 924 where I am. Um, <laughs> so if I had to sober up, that would be a problem. <laughs> well, we did say that there was going to be a chocolate necessity. So when we went to Ikea to shop for curtain rods, I was like, okay, stopping at the cafeteria and getting chocolate mousse. It's a necessity. You know, it was funny because knowing that you're in Sweden, I was going to make an Ikea joke. And then I just figured that that was just too like stereotypical. And I can't just assume that because you're in Sweden, you're going to Ikea. Um, and I've never actually been to an Ikea. We don't have one close. <gasps> oh, no. So, well, like, I drive by it sometimes when I'm traveling, but, like, we're always yeah. on a way somewhere, so it's not a convenient time to pick up a book job. Well, feel free to make a joke, and then come to Sweden in, in Sweden. I mean, come to Ikea in Sweden. <laughs> it's a 
it's funny because when I was talking to John's uh, HR people about, you know, what we should move and what we should just sell and rebuy and stuff like that. And I said, well, our house is pretty much furnished by Ikea. And she's like, well, everything over here is too. So just, you know, you can leave your stuff and buy new and you'll have the same stuff that you had before. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> I like this. I liked how this worked. Have you figured out how to put all the stuff together yet though? Well, I do really quite liking putting stuff together, but let me just say <laughs> for anyone out there who actually does enjoy it, and I, and I truly do, at one point I jokingly asked an Ikea person like if I could get a job in the department that puts together furniture for people who want to pay to have it done for them. Um, but as it turns out, it's much less fun when you buy like 10 things <laughs> and you need to put them all together. So I don't really want people to know, but since we're on the topic and I'm all about being transparent, there are still four boxes of things in the living room that have been here for about three weeks that we keep looking at the boxes and going, uh, not tonight. <laughs> um, we renovated our house 11 years ago, 11 yeah. and a half years ago. And, um, I've still got boxes. I feel stuff. so much better. Stuff that never went on the wall. Like I was going to do something with something. And we've talked about getting a rug for the dining room yeah. for 11 years. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks for saying that and making me feel better. Yeah. So <laughs> no, sure. if, yeah. <laughs> so for anybody who's thinking Catherine Beale, why does that name sound familiar? Um, first of all, you might have already read her book. She has 12. And second of all, uh, it was just two, three, four weeks ago. Um, since RWA, you were one of my many guests on my multiple mini interview uh, during RWA interview yeah. session yep. episode. <laughs> so we yes. were bonding over chiclet. Yes. Yes. Romance that we love all things romantic comedy. And I keep hearing with um, some of the movies that Netflix is doing, I don't actually have Netflix because if I had Netflix, like I would never do anything. Work, okay, yeah. And we can talk about that later because I know that that topic's coming up. I had a sneak preview. <laughs> um, but romantic comedies made me come back. And I talked to some agents at RWA and they're like, yes, we are looking for romantic comedy. And I'm like, because that's all I want to watch. That's all I want to read. Like, you know, I'll read something else every now and again, but I like things that make me happy. The world is too scary of a place. And, you know, I work yeah. with, I work with sick kids and I, I, yeah. Yeah. I need something. I need something fun sometimes. So. You know, it's funny. And, and I really appreciate you bringing this up because I think it's important for people to be thinking to themselves, okay, whatever I do, different from that person or that person or that friend or that friend, um, whatever it is that I'm good at, there is a reason why I've been given this gift and it, you shouldn't be embarrassed by it. So for instance, my uh, older sister is an occupational therapist and she also works with tons of kids in wheelchairs and uh, wounded warriors and people who have been in car accidents and all sorts of things. Um, in fact, a bunch of her kids have now grown into adults and are still uh, at her therapeutic writing center taking horseback writing lessons slash it's really therapy. <laughs> it's really therapy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, I mean, and, and it's one of those things I, as an author, like a lot of our, our goals is to make a living do you know, as, as a writer. And there's a couple of reasons why I don't, I'm not in a huge rush of meeting money would be fantastic. I am not going to lie. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
but I really like my job as well. So I don't mind, I don't mind the balance right now. And people will say, well, how do you have time to write? You know, how do you, you do everything? And it's like, well, I've made some personal choices and that includes not watching a lot of TV, not having Netflix, um, right. you know, because I, I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV. I mean, the TV might be on because other people in my house watch it. You know, you can get a lot done while a baseball game's on. You can <laughs> get right. a lot done while Rupper's on because all you need to see is which house they pick and the final reveal. Like there's a lot of downtime in between. Um, so you know, other people might be watching TV, but I'm not. I'm not invested in. I think the only series I actually watch is Project Runway, and that's like after I'm pretty much ready to go to bed anyway because I go to bed at like grandma time. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so exactly. So I mean, so there, there are those things. Um, so right now it's a great balance and I do, I do like what I do. Uh, you know, I work in the school, so it's, it's, there's an educational component, which I like. And um, yeah, I just, I get to help kids receive their education and that's right. So. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the things that, um, that I said to somebody once I was, uh, you know, I, I move a lot for John's work only now, maybe we won't be moving for a long time. So I'm super excited. <laughs> um, and I, I said to someone, you know, I was at a like game night or something at the church we were going to. And so I was meeting new people and somebody asked me what I did. And I was like, oh, I, yeah, I write romance novels. And I was saying it in that kind of tone, which automatically that tone says, I'm embarrassed by what I do. Because I knew this woman worked in the neonatal intensive care unit with babies who may or may not live through the night. And I'm thinking, you have an important job. My sister helps kids walk. I, 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 I do romance novels. But, but as a writer, I mean, I'm a writer because I was a reader first and yeah. I don't know many writers who aren't first and foremost readers. Right. What we do is important because yeah. for that woman who is taking care of these babies who may or may not live, that does take an emotional toll on you as that provider. And we, people need an escape. And I mean, if, if romance isn't an escape, I don't know what is. I mean, you know, I know you and John have been married for a while. My husband and I, our anniversary is this weekend, 17 years. Happy anniversary. Is hard work. Like, yeah. It is hard work. And it's great to just have that like, oh, and they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, we know it's not real. I mean, neither are the Avengers, but I still yeah. said if they happen, that isn't a valid reason for interrupting my podcast today. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's one of those things. It is important because people do need that something to take them away. It's why TV is so popular. It's why everybody yeah. has, you know, 800 things in their queue on Netflix because we are looking for that escape. And some people want it like live action on television or the movies. And some people want it in print or yeah. what have you. And we do that. We give that to them. We take these people, like we take people who need a few hours away from life. And if that's not, if that's not a job worth doing, what is? Yeah. And it's funny because that's almost exactly what she said. She's like, if I lose a baby one night, you bet I'm going to go home and try to lose myself inside of something that ends well. Right. And, and I, I don't know if she said that she read no romance novels in general, but it's the thing that I, if I'm going to read, um, you know, something that's got some sort of crime or, uh, 
some other like dangerous thriller kind of aspect or whatever. So long as I know that that author always writes, you know, um, happy or it all worked out kind of endings. So I'm a huge Dean Koontz fan. I mean, I haven't been able to keep up with his new book since I've been moving so much, but probably 15 years, I read every book that he put out because I knew that like some horrible evil either had come up inside of a person or had come down from, you know, the skies or yeah, yeah, wherever, you know, some computer virus taking a hold of computers and it was destroying humanity, (laughs) whatever it was. They all lived happily ever after. That's right. We always defeated the evil. (laughs) Well, and that's that's one of the ways uh, I'm going to jump into this. That's one of the ways that I came up with my tagline. Um, because when I first started writing, my first book was a little bit lighter. It had a lot of romantic elements and I didn't know at the time it wasn't a romance because the story was about her journey and there were men along the way, Uh but it wasn't about getting this couple together. And my second book was definitely women's fiction. Um, and with my third book, um, a writer friend, and I found out yesterday that it's a mutual friend, Geraldine Corsillo, who's absolutely fabulous. One of the nicest people I've ever, ever Truly. Yeah, Um, was reading my third book, which is I'm Still Here. And she said, I love that all of your books, they're different, but you're writing about resilient women and you are telling stories of resilient women. So I begged her to let me use that. And she said, of course, because she's (laughs) the best people ever. And um, so that became my tagline for a while. But then I started, I wrote um, some romantic books and some funny books. And then I wrote Live for This, which is, a little more serious. It's a little more, there's a little bit more angst, but I was getting reviews and people were disappointed because it wasn't angsty enough. And the book, um, it was being compared to me before you because the male character um, in both books had spinal cord injuries. I've never read me before you. I had no idea that it even involved someone in a wheelchair until the movie trailer premiered, which was about two weeks before Live For This was about to come out. Oh, no. No, what? People are going to think I ripped it off. I haven't even read it. I still haven't read it because it doesn't have a happy ending. And I think, like, eventually she gets a happy ending, but it's like three books later or two books later, and it's taken five years for these books to come out for her to finally get to that happy spot. I, I don't... And my book does not end that way. My characters get a happy ending. And my female character is, at the beginning of the book, is a victim of sexual assault. And so you have two people who are so broken in different ways, healing each other. Well, dude, I so wanted them to have a happy ending. Like, they need that happy ending. Yeah. And people were saying, oh, it, it started off very angsty, but then it turned sweet. And they didn't like that it turned sweet. And it's like, why don't you want these people to have their happy? So then I jumped into like doing a lot of more romantic comedy and that sort of thing. So I, my tagline morphed from telling stories of resilient women to telling stories of resilient women with humor, heart, and a happy ending. Because that way, you know, like as you're reading live for this and you're like, Oh my God, what's happening. And Oh, he, this, this poor guy or this poor girl, you know, at the end, it's going to be a happy ending. Um, a funny story about that though. I finally like solidify my tagline. I redo my website. I do logos. Like I hired somebody on Fiverr and it was terrible. And then I just ended up doing it myself. I love it. <laughs> it's pretty. I get this like seven foot tall banner 
to put at book book shows or you know all those stuff. and it's got my tech my husband walks downstairs and looks at it I've got this thing up in the dining room and he goes well why would anybody read your books now now they know how they all end <laughs> eye roll and then yeah. my best friend looks at the sign and goes you know, happy endings, they might think it's a different kind of book than it is. And that had never occurred to me either that some people refer to happy endings else. And that's not what I yeah. write either. So, <laughs> but I'm sticking with it so that you know. So my readers know, no matter what happens, even if you're crying midway through the book, it's going to be okay. It's yeah. It's going to be okay. Exactly. And as readers, we do feel like we... Maybe not everybody does, and maybe it's only in certain moods, but there are definitely, um, most of the time, I, it's not that I want to know how it ends. I'm not the kind of person who reads the last page to make sure that I like the last page before I read the book. I actually know people who do that, and I'm like, wait, wait, you're ruining everything, like any surprise. But I do need to know, like, if this is going to be, and um, I'm sorry, I, I like Oprah, but I, I call books that don't end well Oprah book club picks because for the longest time, the only thing that was in the Oprah book club was something where in the end people were going to die or it wasn't going to be resolved and there wouldn't be justice. And I was like, yeah, no, those are not my kind of books. Well, and that started happening to me. I'm in a lot of different groups on Facebook and, you know, people are talking about books and recommending books and so many people going, oh, I love this book. I love this book. Little fires everywhere. I love this book. Okay. Well, my audible credits come up. I'm, um, I do a lot of audiobooks because I drive between schools, so I listen to books while I drive. You know, so there were set like four books in a row that I just got either to read or uh, um, to listen to audiobooks based on the recommendations of everybody in these groups that I kept hearing. Well, again, people didn't get their comeuppance. People didn't get their happy endings. It was kind of like, well, it was a really good book, but I feel unresolved. Yeah. Um, and there were a couple of books that made, they put me into uncomfortable places just because of subject matter. And cause I didn't even read the blurbs. It was so <laughs> many people were saying, this is the best book I've read in a long time. You have to read this. And they're great books. They're very well written, very yeah. good storytelling, very good world building, character arcs, all of that. I don't, I want my arc to end at the pot of gold. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what I write and that's what I want to read. And that's been a struggle is finding other people who want those books. Cause even when you're searching for comedy and when you're searching on Amazon, sometimes it's hard to find those books. Um, and so it started at RWA last year and um, I was talking with an author who writes similar genres and we always populate in each other's metadata. And the funny thing is, is the, like the day before I met her, I had seen her book cover and screenshotted it to show my cover designer saying, I want something like this for my next book. Oh, funny. And then I raised my hand to talk in a session and she came up to me and she looked at my tag and she's like, oh my God, you're Catherine Beale. Like, I know you. <laughs> and so we started talking last year and her name is Violet Howe. And then we've continued the discussion this year. And then this year at RWA, I was with another group of authors and we all write these women's fiction, like lighter women's fiction stuff that's kind of um, romantic comedy, chiclet, cozy mystery, a little, like a little romantic suspense, but it's this lighter in this guaranteed happy ending. So we actually just started a Facebook reader group ah. called Smart Reads Happily Ever Afters. I mean, right there, you know what you're going to get. 
Yeah. Um, and it's eight of us at like, we're running the group. I mean, we sure, please like come and check us out if you haven't heard of us, but it's also a place for readers to find these books and share these books. Like, Oh my God, I just read, you know, this book and it was great and I loved it. And it, um, we are sharing like steam ratings because we do have a wide variety of writers in there. So if people want it cleaner or people want it less, don't, it, that's not an, an important thing because sometimes that comes up too. Yeah. Um, but so we are working on that to kind of build a readership, but also really honestly, it's so I can find books. <laughs> books that um, you like. <laughs> right. Cause it's like, um, you know, one of the girls in the group, Meredith Troy was like, you know, I just read whatever book. I don't know if it was like best day ever. I haven't read it. I think that was the book she was talking about. She's like, I felt like my heart was ripped out. And she's like, I just, I, I can't read books like that right now. And so for the people who can't read the heavy stuff, come to us. Like we're, we're the light, we're the lightweights, but, but still intelligent and still going to make you think and still real women going through real things and personal growth. I like it. So it's probably something like just go to your Facebook page and then search for. Yes. If you go to my Facebook author page, it's linked there. Um, I think it's, you know, facebook.com slash smart reads, H E A S happily ever afters. Um, so it's, it's, and if you search for it, but if you go to my Facebook page, which is Catherine R. Beale author, um, you should be able to find it there as well. Excellent. Well, I'm totally going to go and <laughs> join the group as a reader for sure. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the thing. And a lot of us, um, you know, we're looking for books of all kinds. Like, like I said, as long as it kind of fa- falls under this lighter women's fiction, um, you know, and people joke saying like, oh, the big thing is like book club fiction, like Oprah book club fiction. But how many times you go to a book club and every, the running joke with book club is that like nobody actually reads the book. It's just like you get together and drink wine. (laughs) And I think part of the reason nobody reads the books is people think it needs to be this heavy. Intellectual. Intellectual. And like, let's face it. I'm pretty sure if you had a book club where it was, you know, something light and fluffy, you know, like if you picked a Sophie Kinsella. Yeah. (laughs) I'm guessing more people might actually read the book because it's not this like, all right, I've got to get in the right mental place. Like, okay. Yeah. Oh, my cat's sick. I can't read that kind of book right now. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's what I write. That's what I read. I mean, every so often some, you know, let's, let's mix it up a little bit, but yeah. Um, you know, I, I had a high school friend who started publishing a few years ago and he publishes young adult. And I read his first book and it was like high school kids and they got into mixed martial arts fighting, but they got into fighting because they lived in a trailer park and like there was like drug dealers kind of overtaking and like it was like, it was an escape. and It was like the only way out. You either became a drug dealer or like this was this kid's only way out. And like he didn't have food all the time. It, It just, and it, it was well done, and I haven't read a book of his since because, like, like I work with those kids. You know, yeah. I see those kids coming into school every day. And you don't want to have your heart broken at night as well. Right, right. So, mm. you know, so, again. Yeah. Short story, very, very long. Yeah. Um, well, you know, this is an hour that's all about you, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> if only the whole world could go that way. I know. 
It'd be fun. <laughs> well, it'd be fun until you're like, ah, oh, please stop. <laughs> now, um, so I think you said it, the title of the the book that was more more along those serious lines. Was that Live for This? That was Live for This, yeah. Okay. Now, so was that the last time that you wrote a book that had those kinds of serious elements? Did you feel a little like, oh, I don't think my readers want this or? Well, for up until my, my book, that's my new book, um, for, the, for a very long time, because Live for This came out two and a half years ago, okay. um, I've easily been able to say that Live for This was my best work. Oh, um, wow. You know, it's, it's important. Um, you know, it shows survival and, and both, on both their accounts. Um, and I, and I thought that was very, um, very, it, it thought it was important and I thought it was a good message. Um, you know, it's one of the last acceptable, um, discrimination is uh, against people with disabilities. Right. And why would it, I tend to write a lot of characters with some kind of ailment or disability, in all honesty, because it's what I know. Like, I I understand how all these things work. And I mean, obviously, I do tons of research yeah. as well. But I understand, like, the medical aspect and this and that. Um, and, but, like, trying to find, I always try to find actors to play my characters. And then I mm -hmm. kind of, you know, I know, like, I might have an idea of how tall they are or their age, and then I search actors. So trying to find an actor who is actually a wheelchair user oh, was right. very difficult. And it's like, well, I'm pretty sure there's more than two people in the world yeah. who want to act but have also had spinal cord injuries. Yeah. Um, and so in terms of, in terms of men, I'm like – so it was, it came down to, I found like kind of three guys. Um, and one guy had been on private practice, um, but he was older than I was looking for. Mm -hmm. um, one guy is Daryl Mitchell. He was a comedian who was paralyzed. Okay. Um, and then I found this um, Irish guy, um, Peter Mitchell. He had been like a soccer player, or a rugby player, and was paralyzed in a car accident and now acts on um, like an Irish soap opera or something like that. But oh, like wow. trying to find, you know, real, um, real people to yeah. write about. Um, it's one of the things that ticked me off about the movie Me Before You is because the actor was very clearly not paralyzed and there were some very big inaccuracies with how he was portrayed. Oh, movie. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that, like, that was just one of those things. I mean, years ago I had read, um, Neanderthal Seeks Human by Penny Reed. And I messaged her and I said, Janie has Asperger's, right? Like she's on the autism spectrum, right? And Penny said, well, yes, but I didn't write a book about, and she said, and I said, but you don't mention it. You never mention that she has Asperger's. And she said, right, because it's not a book about a woman with Asperger's. Yeah. It's a book about a woman finding love. And I just kept thinking that there's a lot of people whose bodies aren't perfect. Yeah. And there's a lot of people whose minds and souls aren't perfect. And don't we want love as well? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is one of the, 
So when, when we talk about it, RWA, you and I happen to both be RWA members, and I am taking a wild guess at the other organizations, you know, the Mystery Writers of America and Sci-Fi Fantasy Writers of America and Thriller Writers of America. I mean, I'm sure they must talk about these things too, but we've been talking a lot the last couple of years about diversity in writing and um, as far as characters and, um, you know, character cultures and that sort of thing. And it seems to me like... Um, like 98% of it seems to be aimed at race, which for me is, um, is odd because it's just not the sort of thing that I would look at and maybe be thinking about whether or not like asking myself, am I prejudiced in any way against this? Because I know that my prejudices are in other weird and embarrassing places. <laughs> and, and some of the other things that make people feel other are definitely in other places, like whether or not they um, have, you know, 100% perfect body parts. You know, uh, I just saw a man the other day on the, uh, at the bus stop, and I can't remember. I know that I have, have known at some point what it is that sometimes makes a hand, like, um, kind of go backwards on itself, yep. and so it's kind of more or less unusable. And I saw he had one hand like that, and, and he was just a regular guy, going to work. And, and I was thinking, yeah, have I ever seen or read a, a hero, you know, who had any kind of disability of any of the even smallest degree? Because to me, that is so small, it would be almost unnoticeable to me as a, right. as a human. <laughs> right. Um, in my, like I said, it, it becomes a theme. And I had toyed with the um, having a character who had an injury that required use of a wheelchair. Um, and in Jump, Drive, and Whale, um, I had originally toyed with doing that. So the premise of Jump, Drive, and Whale is it's, it's a contemporary romance. It's a dual point of view. And she was a ski jumper um, trying to make the Olympic ski jumping team, which I didn't realize, but 2012, uh, the Sochi Olympics, 2014, okay. um, was the first Olympics that women's ski jumping was in. Oh. So but the women have been training and trying and trying to get this through. And so she, I needed, she needed to be injured and not able to return to her sport. But I also knew if she was in a wheelchair, she would probably seek Paralympics. Okay. So I needed, so I had thought originally that she was going to be in a wheelchair, um, a, a wheelchair user. And um, then I, Kind of, and that was because I was walking in the market one day and I like rounded the corner and there was a woman who um, was using a wheelchair. I would guess based on my knowledge that she had a spinal cord injury based on the presentation. Yeah. And it was like, I want to write a character like that. And um, it was just one of those, she's going about everyday life. So in Jump, Drive, and Whale, my character Caitlin um, has a foot drop from an injury. So her, she has to wear a big brace on her foot um, and her foot like otherwise just kind of drops down. And so to a lot of people, they wouldn't see it, but it's totally changed slash ruined her life because her whole goal in life was to be an athlete. That was her. Right. And um, you know, with Olympic athletes, I mean, that is what they eat, sleep and breathe. Um, and then of course he's a, a figure skater. So it was kind of like it did a dual point of view, but she was much more like hard and he had was a little bit more in touch with his feminine side being a, a big, he was a Paris figure skater. Uh -huh. um, so and he 
actually had gone to the Olympics and, and did very well unexpectedly. And um, so he's kind he kind of represents everything that she lost. Yeah. So that's their kind of their big thing. Um, I like it. Over. But so she does have a physical disability as well. And one of the things that makes me happy, I, I, I don't have a physical disability. I mean, I'm able-bodied. Um, but one of the things that makes me happy is when I read a review and saying, and somebody says, well, I wear a leg brace or I'm a, I'm a wheelchair user and this is a realistic view. Nice. Because I feel that it's important. Again, so this is the top we've been talking about. Where do you see people who look like you? Right. Um, and so I know that this population, I'm not doing it because it's underserved and oh, let me be so magnanimous. I'm doing it because it's my, you know, I have eight years of schooling, helping people with physical disabilities. I have you know, almost 20 years experience working in the field. Um, it's what I know. Yeah. And, so and something you're passionate about. Yes, absolutely. So you know, I, I anticipate, you know, I have a character who had a brain injury and like, so she has to rehab from that. Because one of the things that ticks me off is when they're, <laughs> so, oh, somebody, they had a stroke, they were, they were in a coma and then they pop up out of bed and they're walking. And it's like, yeah, yeah no, that's not what happens. Like, <laughs> no. And I had a friend writing a book and the grandmother had a stroke and she was in bed and she was in a coma and it's like, okay, well, we're going to bring her out and like, ask her what, what she knows. And it's like, yeah, no, like, this is not how the recovery would be. Like, yeah, you know, let's, let's get it, let's get it right because. Well, you know what my mind is doing right now as a writer. Hmm. Okay. So what kinds of things can I ask Catherine and my sister Bonnie about to make sure that I do some characters so that they seem totally real to any reader? Well, and one of the things that, um, in my book, Once in a Lifetime, it's, it's like a totally fun book. It's one of my favorite books. It was inspired because I was watching videos of Spice Girls. <laughs> I, um, one of my hobbies is I dance. I, you know, I take ballet, tap and jazz and we were wow. doing Spice Girls dance and I was looking for costume ideas. So I was watching all these videos of the Spice Girls um, to like see what they wore and what kind of costume. And they had a 10th anniversary concert. And so I'm looking and like, wow, they've had some babies and, and like, you know, they're doing all the grueling dances and the costume changes and this and that. It's like, what would it be like as a woman, like I'm thinking about it, if you stop doing this and then like, all right, we got to get back together. And so, so it's totally inspired by the Spice Girls. So if you like the Spice Girls or like girl groups, boy groups, whatever, it's just a fun read. But so I have these five women who are 10 years post fame, post career, uh-huh. and they're all at different points in their life. And it, for one of them, it opens up. Um, um, that she's at the doctor with her three or four year old son. I honestly can't remember right now. And he's being diagnosed with autism. Oh no. And so, you know, she's like, I so don't have time for this. Cause like my life's going off the tracks here and my, I need to be here for him and this and that. And some of that was like ripped from the headlines. I mean, my son is on the autism spectrum. He has, what was that? It was Asperger's. I mean, he's, you wouldn't know it when you talk to him, but right. when he was two and three, things looked a little different. And so yeah. some of that was like drawn on from inspiration of what I went through and what other parents I know went through. And so I get people say, I mean, this is this fun book. And they're like, but I loved the part about the mom. Yeah. The kid who has autism. And I mean, right now the prevalence is like 
I don't know, one in 44. So chances are, you know, somebody who is going through that, at least in the United States, I can't speak for worldwide. And I have a whole lot of thoughts on why that is. And that's a different topic for a different podcast for a different day. (laughs) But But it's something a lot of us go through. And when you're going through it, you feel so alone. And so, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of denial with any yeah. of this, whether it is, you know, receiving a brain injury or ending your, you know, athletic career or a lot of it, a lot of us go through denial. So even if you don't have a child on the spectrum, even if you are not a disabled athlete, even if you are not a sexual assault victim, you can relate somewhat yeah. and then get yeah. happy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're not sad. I mean, they're not sad books, believe it or not. I love it. All right. Now the one that, um, the one that you got the idea by watching the Spice Girls, what's the title of that one? Once in a Lifetime. Once in a Lifetime. All right. That sounds good too. I'm just, I'm like, okay, which ones are the ones, I mean, you have 12 books. I can't read 12 books in the next few days, but I'm like, oh, what am I going to, what am I going to read? That sounds good. <laughs> but it's interesting because, um, Patricia Rushford was on at uh, Rushford. Sorry, that is the wrong one. That is another writer who has not been on the podcast. Uh, Patricia Bradford was on the podcast a couple of months ago. Bradley, my goodness, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> too many author names in my head. And uh, she was talking about, uh, it is the book that, that we were talking about that had just released um, because I had you know, read it before I interviewed her. And uh, she's like, oh, and we didn't even talk about that character. And at first I was like, okay, yeah. Why would we be talking about her? Because um, some things in your life just seem normal. And so one of the characters in her book um, has some kind of mental disability. And, um, but it was so, she was such a charming girl. And, and that's what I saw her. I saw her as the, the charming daughter of, you know, so-and-so uh, who really loves jewelry. And I, I was like, that's really cool. I like it. And I could imagine people that maybe I'd met who might be similar to her. Uh, and then, but Patricia was saying, but the fact is, is that this is not in fiction a lot. And I based her off of a friend of mine's daughter who is so, so excited that she's in a book now. <laughs> Well, and I think part of the conversation that's happened in Romance Landia about diversity and this and that, um, and bias comes in and it's reader bias, it's author bias, but, you know, if you are talking about your two main characters and they're at a restaurant and they're at the table, and I pretty much, generally speaking, only describe physically at all my very main character. Mm-hmm. And then I kind unless something comes up, like I kind of just leave everybody else picture it how you want. Yeah. So there's different discussions like, okay, well, everyone in the restaurant's white. And it's like, well, why are you assuming everyone's white? Like, I right. like it's not. So when you picture a restaurant and you have your main characters, but then if you pan out, what does that audience look like? And I know you know, it, and it will depend on where you are in the country and where you are in the world and, and, and what the setting is. Um, but when you pan out, you will have people of different genders and different orientations and different colors and different shapes and different sizes and different able body issues. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's, and, and it's funny because now like, as I'm thinking, going through my books, I would say I'm, I have like a thing that has some of my books on it, right? 
of my computer. Um, <laughs> I would say almost every one of my books has at least one character somewhere that has different abilities um, or is not like your cookie cutter um, right. character. And it, it, that's just how I write. I mean, I, I don't. Yeah. And see, that's the thing is that I think um, people tend to write what they know, write the world around them. So when I was very young, I lived in an all white community that was all white because white people lived there. And, and I remember at some point uh, looking backward and thinking, why is everybody making me feel so bad that I have so many white characters in my book when I'm a white girl who grew up in a white community that nobody right. else lived in? The majority of my characters are Catholic because I am Catholic. I went to 12 years of Catholic school. <laughs> Growing up, there was one family who I think was Mormon, but like we didn't talk about it. They lived down there. Um, my mom had a Jewish friend. She worked for a Jewish dentist or oral surgeon. So we were friends with that family. So like I actually did go to a uh, bar mitzvah one time. And my grandmother was uh, Protestant. Uh, that's a lot of people. <laughs> that's it everybody else was Catholic. Yeah. Um, it's what I know. I chose to go to a very large urban school where thing, you know, I end up with this peer group of friends and there, like, there were five of us in the group. One girl was, her dad was Jewish, but her mom was Catholic and she was raised Catholic. Everybody else was Catholic. And it just happened that way. You know, my college, like the roommate that I was placed with and the two girls next door, they were just like that became my friend group as well. Is yeah. it still now? No. One of my close friends at work is Jewish and I ask her a gazillion questions and I somehow weaseled myself into a very, very Mormon group of writer friends. And so they're sick of me because I ask a gazillion questions. I, I have no idea like what Mormonism was and there's a lot of misinformation out there about it. And uh, as my friend says, like, we're actually really boring. And if people knew, like, how boring we were, they'd stop asking questions. <laughs> but then it, it turns around because one of my Mormon friends is writing a book with a Catholic family. And it's why I'm her, like, Catholic go-to person. Yeah. But it's not, I mean, I don't know. I, I know you'll find this shocking. But I talk to a lot of people at RWA. And I talk to a lot of people who, I just talked to a lot of people. And it was very, very diverse. And it was great getting different people's perspectives on things. And like, I had this great conversation, pretty much where we filmed our little podcast, that like little lounge area, because I was spending yeah. a lot of time there. Um, her name is Laurel Cremont. Cremont? Cremont. She worked in genetics. She did all this like genetic research. So we oh, started talking cool. about like the genetics of autism and this and that and da, 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 you, know, all, you know, all these diseases that are like I mean, so we had this great conversation about genetics and like, that's just what I love. Cause I just like talking to people and I don't, you know, and I just try to incorporate that into my books. So I don't know yeah. where we're going. Cause I think I just took a tangent frame like <laughs> way off topic. So I apologize. You know, like no. we don't have to edit right now. And like, you're supposed to ask I know it's kind of like, wow, we don't have any reason to start over. I guess we should just keep going. But the, but the thing is, this is actually turning out to be a far more interesting conversation than we had yesterday. <laughs> we can actually have conversations. <laughs> exactly. I, when I told my husband, I said, seriously, we didn't even get a full sentence out and the internet would stop again. And he just looked at me like, how did you live? Yeah. <laughs> but, but see, this is a really interesting conversation because I will say, Oh, this is, this is kind of hard, you know, to tell people what you really think. But 
I feel guilty if I'm like pointing to a friend across the room and I'm like, okay, um, do I call her the black girl? Do I say the guy in the wheelchair? Because that seems like pointing out something that's the the somehow not normal when there's nothing abnormal about it. It seems so weird. Uh, and so sometimes I forget, you, you just reminded me, I don't think I've actually described a couple of the people that are not white in some of my books as specifically saying that they're not white. I know they're not white, but I'm like, oh, I, I don't think I actually said that though. Right. And like in my head, it's like, oh yeah. And it was funny. I was doing a, like a interview type thing, like where, uh, you know, for a, a blog post or something. Um, and it was for this and the person had casted the characters. And so she had casted people. And so I went through and was like, and so, I mean, I had like the main two people casted. Um, I had her crappy ex-boyfriend casted and I had the girl who becomes her friend casted. And that was it. And so there were a lot more characters in the book. Like I didn't have the main character's brother who has a huge role. I didn't have him casted. I didn't have like his ex-fiance casted. So all these things. And so she was going through and she gets to the best friend, Nikki. And she had, you know, pulled up some actress and I'm like, oh yeah, no, Nikki's an African-American. And I think I described her skin at one point or her hair or something, but it was just a passing line. And so I don't, like, I just always saw, like, this is what Nikki looks like. But I don't, I hadn't described it. And so I do, if I have an idea for a character um, that is specific, I, I do Pinterest boards. So if people are really, um, have a lot of time to kill, they can go <laughs> on Pinterest boards to see my casting. But nice. if the character's not there, that means interpret how you want. And if they're a relative, well, maybe they might carry some of the same features. But if they're not like have at it. I mean, I do in my new book, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, I have a couple of character descriptions and one of them is important because um, there's paternity question and it's oh. very um, easily determined upon looking at the child um, because the child is um, biracial. Uh-huh. And so somebody gets trapped with her behavior um and the thing is is and then I had the like oh well that guy wasn't a really great guy what do I do and it's like well he's from a really good family and we I said you know the a-hole gene must have been recessive and skipped everyone else (laughs) Um, because I don't I wouldn't want people thinking that I was targeting him I needed I needed him to be that way and I needed him to be black so that you could tell when you looked at the baby yeah but I did not want it interpreted as a characterization of. Right, right. People, oh, uh, people, in, people can be a-holes and, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, right. they come in all shapes and sizes. It's so true, <laughs> unfortunately. It's too bad you can't, like, mark that gene and go, oh, yeah, no, we can't have this baby. He's going to grow yeah, up no, to be. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. Here I am being prejudiced again. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So let's talk for one second about that. So you have a new book that just came out two days ago. Yes. It's called Paradise by the Dashboard Light is a um, a contemporary romance with, I think some pretty funny parts. So I would say more romantic comedy. Um, I got a review, which was fantastic. Um, An earlier review put it up on Goodreads and said like, 
you know, it's a tale of heartbreak and angst and a tornado looking for its rainbow. So, I mean, I, maybe she took it a little bit more seriously, but, um, yeah, so it is the story of childhood best friends. They are both twins and he's always been in love with, um, the twin sister and the main character Rio deceived him years ago and they run into each other and it's, are some lies or some secrets too big to overcome. Yeah. Well, being married to a twin, and that's very interesting to me. <laughs> I did one time accidentally, yes, kiss my brother-in-law, but it was on the back of the neck, and there's lots of really good reasons for it. It's a good story. Well, so it like, wasn't my fault. <laughs> it's a similar deception, but um, more than kissing. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the twin sister, who's not the main character, doesn't, she's not a great person. She really is, is really kind of awful really very awful so um you know our character my main character rio she makes a really big mistake but she's also a teenager and she really regrets it but you know is this is this going to be the thing that stands in the way of her happiness so yeah um, i'm excited about it it's it's Yay. been a, a labor of love for me uh, a lot of work this summer went into it nice Oh, you know, that reminds me of another thing that we did talk about yesterday that um, this is a great segue. So tell us a little bit about, um, so in the world my of, was, my daughter was standing right off camera with like something on her face, like to make you look and laugh. Oh, um, <laughs> oh she put a spider on her face to make her spider man because my sign says, you know, only interrupt in case of like natural disaster, fire, blood that it cannot be treated Stopped. with first aid or an adventure stop spot. <laughs> Um, so. I like it. I like it. Well, now I kind of want to get her on camera. <laughs> so come here. <laughs> come here for a second. All right. If you're not watching. Like, hi, real life. <laughs> That's right. Oh, nice. I like it. Well, you know what? Anytime an Avenger, especially a female Avenger can be on my show. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'd be okay with any of the Chris's stopping by, I'm not going to lie, you know? Well, I have to say that would be totally fine with me since yeah. my husband isn't here to overhear. <laughs> Mine is, but shh, don't go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fine, whatever. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my husband thinks that I have about as much luck with any of that as, you know, he does with his list. <laughs> right, well, yeah. I mean, one can dream. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, so um, <laughs> I have to remember what we were talking about. It was something that came up yesterday that you were going to bring up again. Yes, okay. So you are at this point, uh, 100% self-published, right? Yes. I okay. So, um, among the self-publishing community and you've been doing it for several years now also, uh, there has been a lot of talk, kind of a ebb and flow of what, um, what you have to do in order to succeed, uh, in the, in terms of how many books to put out and that sort of thing. So we were talking a little bit about your writing schedule, what it is and why you've decided that's your writing schedule and I don't care what other people do. So let's talk about that a little bit. So my plan, um, just kind of, this is what I fell into. I figure I can do two books a year. Um, the year I put out a novella, it ended up being three, but that was like a half a book. So, <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I work, I mean, I work a full-time job. It's in the school. So it's school hours. I have school vacations. Um, I'm off for like five more, more days. Um, and then I go back. <laughs> so 
I used to work a part-time PT job over the summer and the last two summers I have dedicated to just writing. So one of the reasons why being indie works for me is, well, you saw that was one of my children. I have another one who can read the sign um, and, and stayed away. Um, he, he's the one on the spectrum. He's a real follower, so it's kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, except he's also a teenager, so sometimes he just feels like the rules don't apply. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. but I have two kids. They're very active. They are involved in a lot of things. School is our first priority. Um, my son's starting high school, so that's going to be a big thing with like managing all of his stuff. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of the class load and the workload and all of that. Um, so this is what I can do. And, you know, I a lot of people that I talk to, they get burnt out because they're trying to push themselves for an arbitrary schedule and yeah. it's not arbitrary because you do have you have to get books out there like you have to get books out there you have to build your backlist you have to put new things out but i don't i i don't understand what the point is at the end of the day if you don't have time for the people in your life yeah um and so you know i will talk to a lot of writers who's like yeah, i write 16 hours a day um being being a writer being especially indie when you're on your own schedule I feel like there's sometimes a pressure to every minute you're, you're, you should be working 24 seven, three, six. Yeah. Um, because my computer's always here. I always have access to it. I should be working. I should be, I should be marketing. I should be writing. You know, why is that next book not done? Why did I, you know, why did I take a break? And when you get, at least for me, and I would assume it's, I mean, we met at the pan Kino, which was all about like mental health stuff, like writing, yeah through blocks, like your brain, all this stuff. I mean, it was like a two hour lecture on brain development. So I was happier than a pig in poop. Cause like, that's what I do. I, you know, I, it, it's all neuro-based. Yeah. I totally um, love neuroscience, everything yeah. about neuroscience. And so like, I end up like having like a little mini discussion at the table and Dorinda Jones was sitting at the table with me and she's one of my like idols. Like I love her stuff. She's one of the reasons that like that pushed me into writing and she's like, you could, you could do it you could do a course on this. Like, you really know your stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Anyway, so <laughs> you can't, when you're, when you're stressed, when you're, you can't be creative. Like we're artists with this stuff. So if you're pushing and pushing, the words are not going to come. Like I had a conversation last night, one of my author friends who I owe everything in my career to called me at like nine o'clock last night. She's like, listen, I know it's getting close to your bedtime. She's in a different time zone. She's like, but I got to talk through this because I'm supposed to have this book out in like two weeks and it's not going to happen. And I, I hate the book. I want to give up writing. I, I hate everything about everything. And so like, all right, let's talk through it. Let's, let's this, but you can't be creative when you're burnt out and you can't be creative when you have all of this pressure. Sometimes pressure works. Um, I do do better with a deadline. Like I do better with a deadline because I mean that's why Paradise by the Dashboard Light took me like nine months to write because I was like eh, whatever I'll get it done but I didn't have a deadline and so yeah. the last couple of books I have put up for pre-order before they were done so with Amazon you get you can put it up for pre-order ninety days before release so that gives me ninety days um, I have a visitor another visitor also <laughs> hello another cat <laughs> um, this is Butch his brother is Sunday. <laughs> um, so, you know, I would put it up, I'd have to finish writing, get it edited, boom, books out. But it works for me. Like as soon as that deadline goes and it's like, oh my God, I got it. I mean, I put up a book, um, for pre-order. It was 27,000 words when I put it up for pre-order 
but it was a second in series and I had a book club. So I had to get, I had to get it going. Yeah. um, So, you know, that worked. Um, I wanted to try a different editing process this time. So I did not do that. Um, But like for years I had done NANA, which is national novel mining writing month, which is the month of November. And the goal is to write 15,000 words in 30 days, which ends up being almost 1700 words a day, which doesn't sound like much until you're staring at a Word document. <laughs> right. And it's also, we talked about this yesterday. It's Thanksgiving, which is my holiday. I'm not much of a house cleaner. So, um, like to get ready for Thanksgiving, it takes me like a week and a half to clean my house. Yeah. All that yeah. Stuff. Um, I also have a conference that I go to, um, as physical therapist, I have to do continuing ed. And there's a conference every November that I go to. So it's like several days lost. So for me, it ends up being closer to 2000 words a day, which in theory is doable. I do actually, when I can write, I write fast, but, um, you know, the last four years ago, um, I did nano and I was working on, I'm still here. And my goal was to finish. I'm still here. And it was like November 28th. And I, thought I could finish it up. And we had family in town, right? Um, aunt and uncle and cousins were up from New Jersey and my mom's brother. And we were all at my mom, my parents' house and they were going to play dominoes or something. I was like, no, I, I'm going to go. Like I got to get the kids in bed, but it was because I wanted to go finish writing. Yeah. And that was, like I said, the end of November. I think I finished the book that night. I, like, cause I was that close to the end. And you know, when you're that close, you just want to ignore the world and just power through because you know it's it's true. Yeah. And, um, but my aunt and uncle went back to New Jersey that day. And just after the new year, he was diagnosed with cancer and he never left the hospital. And I only saw, I did go down to see him, but I will always, I will always have a moment of regret that I chose to go home and work when I could have spent a little bit more quality time, like hindsight. Yeah. 2020. Um, so you you can't make excuses. You have to put your butt in the chair. You have to do the work, but there are times where you also have to say, Hey, you know, this is going on. My, you know, my daughter's struggling with this right now, or we're doing this as a family because this is my summer vacation. This is my kid's summer vacation. It's 900,000 degrees in New York right now with like a heat index of a million. Yeah, uh, we're gonna go swimming, like, because yeah. the temperature's gonna drop and we will be in boots in like a week. So, because right. <laughs> I'm seeing New York, so if you don't like the weather, wait, wait, you know, a day and it'll change. Yeah, um, you know, but my kids love to swim, and this may be the last time. So, like after this, we're probably going swimming for the third day in a row because we've had this little heat snap. They're going to <laughs> swim. Like, this is it for the summer. Yeah, you know, we won't swim till after Memorial Day maybe not even into June, like till the end of June next year. So yeah. you know, th- those are the choices. Should I write this afternoon? Should I do promo stuff? Cause we're filming this right before my book comes out. So I have to make graphics and contact people to see if they'll put it on their Facebook page. Yes. I have all that to do, but um, you know, we will also, we will probably, I'll probably take a big chunk this afternoon for my kids. Cause yeah, I, there's not a point if, they don't. Right. And not to make other people feel guilty if they're making different decisions, but the point is, is that you need to make conscious decisions and you need to know why you're making this choice. 
Yes. And I mean, there have been multiple times this summer where I've been working and, you know, my son comes in and he starts talking and I like, hey, bud, can we, like, I'm in the middle of a scene, I need to get this done, or I have to get this back to the editor by thus and such day. I'm going to work until 1130 and then we're going to play, like, pick out a game. I don't care if you sit here and do whatever. Why don't you get your book for school and read? You can be in the room. I can't talk to you until this time. And then I take a break. And to, to be with my kids, to do family things. Um, and I have to, I think a lot of us feel we have to go, 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 go. We have to be on, we have to be authoring and doing author, authorly things yeah. all the time. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you have to work, you have to commit and you have to get it done, but you have to balance too. Cause if you're out of balance, your your the creativity is going to suffer. Right, right. And the, um, the talk that we went to, I think uh, Roseanne Bain is the name of the woman who gave the talk, which I hope to have on the podcast uh, sometime in the next awesome. few months. Yeah, she was totally cool. But what was really interesting was that she was explaining, she did kind of a, a quick overview. It's probably too short for people like you and me who really are into it and too long for people who are like, why are we talking about brains? But she did a quick overview of what all the different pieces of the brain do and how they interact and specifically then how they interact and make you feel uh, creative or tired, fatigued or excited and that sort of thing. And so she was explaining exactly why we're getting burned out and how doing more of it is not going to make us feel better. <laughs> right. One of the things she had on the table was coloring stuff. <laughs> Which and I brought home some of it. <laughs> yeah, the gal I sat next to was in a definite spot of burnout. And there was a writing activity where we had to write a lot of like what was going on and what was holding us back. And she like she she got very emotional and it was kind of a breakthrough. And she's like, and then every time I saw her in the conference, she was crying. Or coloring. Oh, oh coloring, coloring, good. And she's like, oh my God, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get coloring. Like I I've seen adult coloring books, but I never understood what it was. And um, I have a running joke with Catherine Bybee because I was at um, Indie Scribe last year and she was doing a, a seminar on pushing through your life tragedy to keep writing. And she um, had had like a, a, over a year long experience with the fires in California, like pretty much happening right by where she lives. Yeah. The mountain behind her burning down and never house and then came the rains and the floods and the mud and yeah and all of that so and how she was on deadline and, and there were times where she had to call her at call her editor call her people and say I can't like I've got to push this back like I'm shoveling mud I can't yeah um, but she was like what was the last excuse you used not to write and I was like I took a knitting and so she is constantly ribbing me about my knitting and I mean I have like this is my office. It's stuck. I have like my knitting right here. <laughs> right next to your desk. Working on a baby blanket. Um, nice. But like, so that if I get stuck or if I need to watch something or my computer's acting up or it's updating because when my computer updates, it updates for like three hours. Oh. I'll knit. And I've had many people. So Catherine and I like go back and forth about knitting. And she's like, if I see you with the knitting and taking it up, throwing it out. And then <laughs> she was doing a conference, she was doing a course. And there's lace sitting in the front row knitting. And I was like, ha. Um, but <laughs> some people have said, but you need that to kind of get out of your own headspace and kind of put you, 
and doing something very rhythmical and something just that distracts you enough. And so sometimes I just knit and like think about my characters and it's like, oh, put it down. Yes. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's a balance. It's a balance. Yeah. Like everything. Right, right. Oh man, this is so interesting. I could totally talk to you for longer and longer. Well, now that we have an internet connection that works, I mean, it's been an hour and like. This is amazing. Yeah, right. As soon as we say goodbye, it'll be like crunching and going away. <laughs> All right, I got this going. That's it. That's right. Well, um, one last thing, if, if you just haven't, one more minute. Um, yep. we, we talked about something else that I thought was really interesting. Uh, about you yesterday. And also, um, I'm sure that people who are listening are, are taking the bits and pieces of things that are applicable to them where they're at right now and, and getting tips and, and ideas out of it. Uh, one thing that people talk about a lot is voice. And I noticed when reading um, the so you, you, you have a lot of books. So I was reading like the, the first chapter on Kindle of all of them. And I was like, holy cow, Catherine is one of those people who you don't even have to know who wrote it. And as you're reading it, you're like, this is Catherine Beale. It's got to be because the voice is so distinct. And, and it just sounds, even when the characters are, it's not that the characters sound the same. It's just that the writing style is so distinctive. And I thought it was really interesting. And so I thought that one might be something else that we'd want to talk about real quickly because sometimes people really struggle with that. It's all an accident. Like, and <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I could um, take credit. And I have, my first book is Good Intentions. Um, and if you read Good Intentions and you want to know what Maggie sounds like, just listen to this podcast and then picture her in my voice. And <laughs> Maggie, I, I write how I speak, which tends to be a little staccato. Maybe I get off on a little tangent. So my editors have their work cut out for them, like pulling it back, <laughs> <clears throat> making sure every word is important and counts. <clears throat> um, Cause I use more words than I need to. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I wrote my first book and I really, I honestly had no idea what I was doing. And um, I didn't want to tell anyone that I was writing because I'm not a writer and I haven't taken writing courses. And I have to write for my job. I do write letters and evaluations and stuff all the time. But I never realized, I just thought like, this is something PTs do and this is where everyone is. I never realized that I could write, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and then I started writing a book and people who aren't related to me want it. <laughs> And like pe people who I don't know, um, read it and reviewed it. And, um, so with my second book, I made a very conscious choice. I read like, some, I think I read like Tessa Tubervilles and like a few other books to like get into a different mind space and a different head space. And it's my only book written in third person. Okay. And, and somebody said like, it's written in third person, but you feel like it's first person. Like you feel like you're in her head. And I've tried to get back to third person and I, I have not been able to. Um, so, you know, I, I write in first person. I generally write in present tense because that's just how my mind works. And so some of this is, um, I would just say my inherent, how I naturally write. Yeah. Um, I would say a lot of it. But that being said, since um, 2015 is when I started going to RWA and I started going to conferences. 
And that's an important thing is like I said, with PT, I have to do education every year as a writer. You may feel like you, maybe you don't, but you do because I was sitting in, you know, from the very first RWA uh, course I was sitting in and I think Sarah McLean was teaching it and it was about conflict and, and I'm writing stuff to try and write, 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 write. And it was like, Oh, Oh, I do that. And then it was like, oh, I need to be better about doing that. And it's, yeah, yeah. Um, I go in to every, every one of these courses, I, and now I bring my Chromebook and I am typing and I have detailed notes from all, the, because no matter what, you can still learn. And uh, at RWA this year, I went to the session that Jamie Beck did, and I can't even tell you what it's about now, but at the beginning, she said, I just want to let you guys know, this is more for like the beginner writer that sort of thing. And my friends and I, who all have multiple books published and have been out for a while, kind of like, all right, well, we'll like one by one kind of peel off. But let's yeah. see what she has to say. And I type, I have you know, six pages of notes. I couldn't <laughs> type fast enough because while a beginner writer would certainly benefit from that, you can always benefit from more. And so I think that yeah. helped me find my voice as well. But it, I write how I speak and this is just how my brain works. And I wish I could explain it. Lots of people wish they could, my husband especially, because <laughs> I always understand it. Yeah. But um, it's my unique genetic makeup. And, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, that that's my voice. I do like writing in first person. I like writing in present tense. Um, that works for me. And so I know some people hate reading it. I don't know. It doesn't occur to me to pick a book based on point of view or tense. Yeah. I don't know if it's a good story. If, if it's a, if it's a captivating story, I'm in the story regardless of. Yeah. Point of view. Yeah. So, but this, this is just. So that's one possibility then if, if anybody who's listening is still trying to figure out, like, I'm not even sure that I know what my voice is yet. Maybe consider try try to stop trying for a minute and just write the way you talk and see whether or not that works for you. It may not, but it might be the way that you break into it. Because the great thing about writing um, is you can always edit and you can always change. And um, the great thing about being an indie published author is like, you can always edit and change even after a book is out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I go back and forth. We talked about this yesterday, um, but I go back and forth my first book in intentions. I wrote it. I mean, at this point, I think I finished it seven years ago. I have grown tremendously as a writer. I open the book and it's cringeworthy to me now. I won't do an audio for it. I, do, I stand by the story 100%. I would not change an iota of the story. I cringe at the writing. Yeah. Because I feel like I have grown so much as a writer. So I, I am constantly going back and forth about whether I am revising it and re-editing it. Or if I'm leaving it, people haven't complained. Um, it's sold. It's sold a decent amount in the five years it's been out. Yeah. Um, people haven't complained, but I also want them to. I, you know, I wonder do people not read me after that because maybe the writing could be better. Exactly. Or if people like that, then they're gonna be really pleased as <laughs> they go down because I, I hope I've gotten better. I, I'm fairly confident I've gotten better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 
I, I'm totally with you on the should I go back and revise if I did not have audiobooks out as well that I would have to pay to redo. Yep. I probably would have already done it, which is probably a good thing that I'm that I have a reason to say no, you can't because you don't want to spend the money to redo the audiobooks. Yeah, and this one doesn't have the audio because I toyed with it. I did the audio for my second book, and as she was doing it, uh, my producer was great, uh, Lisa Vika. As she was doing it, I was like, Ugh. and she said, I mean, not her, like my writing. Yeah. You know, and um, I had said, you know, what would happen if I wanted to redo this book? And she was like, well, I'll make you a deal. And if you let me do another one of your audio books, I would do, I would upload changes to this one. And wow. so I haven't redone that one yet, but that's why I've always held off doing um, good intentions because in the back of my head it's so, I mean, that would be something interesting to put out to readers and see like, do they want updated versions of the old book? I know a lot of authors mm -hmm. who publish a book and then because their publisher changes or something like that, they end up pulling it and revising it and re-releasing the same book. That is true. And we, we talked about this yesterday, but you know, all, when we're not pushing ourselves to be creative, sometimes that's when all the story ideas come and like we all have files on our computer and notebooks and pieces of paper everywhere. And we will never have enough time days in our life to write all the story ideas we have. Yeah. And so with all those story ideas and all those fresh new things, do you just say, okay, that was a learning experience and move on? Or do people want the same story just told in a better way? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that would be an interesting reader poll. Maybe I'll right. put that in our Facebook reader group, though. Oh, there you go. Happily ever afters. Maybe I'll throw that out there and see what people have to say. Because several yeah. of us are in that same boat of we we've opened a book from the past and we're like, oh, <laughs> what? How how did you let me publish this? Or like, what was I thinking? And right. I, when I published Good Intentions, I didn't even know what I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that is another piece of advice is you have to be open to learning. So like I said, go to conferences, even if you have books out, you can always learn. Um, the networking is good as well, obviously if we're here, yeah. um, but <laughs> you know, listen, if somebody says, oh man, you know, $1.99 is a terrible price point because you're only getting 35% royalty and da, da, da. listen, like listen to what people say. That being said, what works for you might not work for me. Right. And yeah. don't be afraid to try things either. Exactly. So, yeah. When somebody gives you advice, when somebody says, Hey, this needs better edit or Hey, your character is not likable or I'm having trouble wanting a happy ending for your character. Take that because if your readers feel that way, they're not going to keep reading and then they're not going to click the next book. Right. Um, you know, one thing I changed up my editing process for Paradise by the Dashboard Light and um, Dashboard Light and each paragraph or each um, chapter is dual point of view. So there's her point of view and then his point of view. So I really have like two chapter ends within each chapter. Okay. So that's two end scenes that have to hook you to keep going because as my editor said a couple of times, this needs to be stronger because this is a, a natural point to put it down and go hold one. Right. What is going to keep the reader going to the next? So make that really strong. So like some, it was really, really strong. And to me, those chapter ends come very, very naturally. Like I just know, boom, that's the line scene might drop out. 
And then others, it was not as strong. So, you know, that yeah. is something that since I went to that first RWA conference, I have really, really worked on that opening hook and that closing like teaser. Come on, you need to find out what happened. Right, right. And without naming names, there have been some best-selling books that other people were reading. So I read so I could be part of the conversation that I was like, okay, this is really not great to me. I don't really understand why everybody's reading it because I think the writing is very mediocre. But every time I got to the end of a chapter and was like, okay, as soon as I finish this chapter, I think I'm just going to move on to another book. There's two people in particular that I can think of that have freaking amazing end of chapters. And you're okay, like, okay. You email those to me just so I know. Now I want to <laughs> We don't want to talk about anybody negatively on air. That's right. I just need to know. Well, and the great thing about this job is when you read, it's research. Yes. So, you know, maybe we, I can learn a little. Cause that, so, and I thought I did a really great end of chapter or hook. Yeah. But there were many spots because I had 29 chapters. So that's, um, you know, what, 58 hooks that I needed or, you know, right. Don't include the end. Um, so like that, that's a lot to, in, in 79,000 words, that's a lot of times I really have to grab you and keep you going to the next. Exactly. So. Yeah. Catherine, this has been great. Yay, I'm excited. Baby. I'm I'm excited that the internet has let us talk all the way through. In fact, I, I I feel a little bad, listeners. I'm sorry if you're thinking, when will this interview end? But we're just so excited that the internet hasn't made us start over again. <laughs> and I mean, I know, like I know there's listeners, and then I know you're gonna have a YouTube video. That's right. Yep. So one of the things we were talking about yesterday is because it kept cutting out. Kitty would freeze on my screen, but I would freeze on hers. And so it would always freeze like mid horrendous facial expression. Yes. So she probably has a gazillion screenshots of me, you know, just making these horrible. Yeah. She doesn't have any of the ones of, that I could see of her. She only has the ones of me. So if you want to throw up a montage of Catherine's worst facial expressions and like, <laughs> because someday your face is going to freeze like this. Um, yes. Go ahead, throw that in the YouTube video because you can't laugh at yourself. You know what? You, you, there you go. I love that you have such a great sense of humor. So what I'll do is I'll put some cuts at the end after, after we do our goodbye right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, it'll be fun. If only I could show you my stupid expressions too, but there are times when I knew you couldn't see me and I was just laughing because the way it froze. I was like, yeah, yeah it reminds me of what well, mom said. I kept getting a lot of kitty laughing. So her head was like thrown back, my mouth open. Like I could check out her tonsils. They look good for the doctor right now. Although I hear the healthcare in Sweden is good. So yeah, she's probably all set. But uh, her tonsils are good right now because I saw them a lot. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm really getting red right now because that, that is exactly what I can be embarrassed about is, yeah. yeah. For some reason, I think of horses, even though horses don't really do that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> oh, listen, okay. So we really have to stop talking, even though the internet has not forced us to quit talking. Where can listeners find out more about you and your books? Um, I have a website. It's www.catherinerbeal.com. It's K A T A. R-Y-N-R-E-I-E-L. Um, I'm on Facebook, Catherine R. Beal author. My Twitter and Instagram handles are at, at Beal. Um, I'm on Pinterest. I'm on BookBub, Goodreads. 
think that's it because I'm old and I don't want to have to do like other new <laughs> mind chat, whatever. I can't, <laughs> I can't Tumblr. I can't. I just, so I, I'm there. Um, Facebook is where I'm probably most active, but I try to tweet um, when I can and I'm getting better about Instagram, but like I don't selfie well. It's all <laughs> sorts of bad angles and double chins and, you know, <laughs> Um, and I really don't want to be one of those people who takes pictures of my food all the time. FYI, I take a mason jar salad almost every day to work. You don't need to see that every day. I don't want to (laughs) eat it every day. You don't need to look at it. Um, so yeah, so, but Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, Catherine with a Y and with a K and a Y and, um, like Jessica, but I'm not married to Justin. Yeah. Bummer. That is, of course, what I asked you when I first met you, if you're related. (laughs) And I I think she's from Ohio, which is where my husband is from. But his family, it was just his immediate family that lived in Ohio. He's actually from the Dakotas. So maybe somewhere we're related and like we'll show up at a family reunion and be like, hey, cool. That's right. (laughs) Want to read one of my books? Yeah. (laughs) Would you like to make a movie? One of my books? Yeah, it would be great. I'll tell you, go to my Pinterest board to find the casting and, um, Maybe I should write a role for her. I mean, I've written roles for people and I tweet them all the time that I've written roles for them, but it hasn't <laughs> helped so far. But you never know. You never know. You and if know. somebody wants to join that reader group, remind us one more time, what's the name? It is Smart Reads Happily Ever Afters. And if you go to my Facebook page, the link is on there. Um, but I believe if you do a short, if you just search Smart Reads Happily Ever Afters. Um, In Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook. Awesome. So, but, you like this kind of these kind of books that we've talked about um come on in and let us know what you're reading and what you like and what we shouldn't miss out on excellent Catherine. thank you again so much this has been great fun thank you too it's been a very nice time this time <laughs> <laughs>